0: You don't know what a members only jacket is?
1: Oh, you would totally you would recognize it if you saw it. It's
0: like a bomber it jacket. Almost like can, like, it almost looks like a Michael Jackson jacket a little I bit. I think
1: Claude is uh, like a generation behind you because he grew up in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Or So like you're
1: the same age, but like the things that happened to you in the eighties didn't get to the yeah. Oklahoma until like the nineties. <laughs> Well, what's up, friends? Welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A podcast from your friends here at Sandals Church. Every week, Pastor Matt Brown is here answering your questions. And today, Claude Hickman and I are here to help yep. make things happen. So what's up, Claude?
2: I'm doing good. I'm yep. headed to a contest this weekend. Did I tell you that? In no Montreal? Reason. In Montreal. I'm judging. One of three judges. No pressure. What? And I have no idea what else. What, to kind, of yeah, what kind of judge? be what kind yeah, contest. the BMX Flatland Contest. Flatland. There's five World uh, Circuit stops, and this is the only North America one. So I'm excited Pretty about exciting. That, it's like a mini version of the Olympics. Kind of like the last wow. one was in Rio. So yeah, <laughs> really? It's kind of like that. Right on.
0: Well, welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm PMB, and I'm excited to uh, be with you guys. It's good. I'm back from vacation. it Spent back. a couple of days in the old Malibu hanging out with celebrities. It was awesome. Didn't see one, mm. but I felt their presence. So it's
1: like you hung out with them, but they avoided you the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's sad.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you take vacations. You Thank know? you. It's good. You work hard. Thank you some very guys, much. Some pastors like play golf six days a week. Golf know? is not a vacation. That would be stress. Four hours of stress <laughs> for me.
1: Says <laughs> so the guy who does Iron Man.
0: Yeah. Right. That's more peaceful.
1: Okay. Yeah. For you. All right. Well, here on the debrief, we love getting your reviews in the iTunes store. And we have a couple of those from this week. The first one is from... Noel Robs, Noel Robs, we're just going to own it, says these podcasts constantly bring me back to what's important in this life and to what truly matters. You all consistently help me refocus and recenter in a world that doesn't want me to.
0: Wow. That's man. I want to meet this person. Make sure you come up to me in the lobby and shake hands. Unless of course you go to one of the other campuses and in the future we will meet. Yes.
1: We will find you Noel Robs, but you may get a
0: parasite. So wash oh, your hands yeah. after you yeah. shake hands. Well, we back. don't know that I have a parasite yet. And we so don't we know. Wait for, are they we cont- wait for I don't think they're report. contagious.
1: I'm hoping they're not contagious. They are, are
0: highly contagious. They are. Yes. Okay. The sweet. bag that I turned in literally had like a skull with a cross on it as I turned it in. It was awesome.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Our next review is from Mara Coromina, who says, thank you, Pastor Matt, for being real 24-7. That Amen. bag reference, not yes. excluded. And Justin, for being your goofy but awesome self. And of course, Stephanie, for your inspirational quotes. Oh, wow! you're welcome. And Justin's Goofy and Awesome Self. Wait, wait. Did they just say they like your inspirational quotes? Yes. Okay. I think I think she just feels bad for me because I, they tank every you. single time. Um, and Justin's <laughs> Goofy and Awesome Self will be back with us next week as he is wrapping up his summer vacation with his family right now. Okay. And this last review is from, I think someone literally just like hit the keyboard and like hit a bunch of letters a bunch so i'm not even going to try to pronounce it there's some w's maybe it is a town in iceland maybe Mm -hmm. iceland reviewed us uh, ends with a k says i love this podcast it's great to be able to listen to it whenever i'm doing something mindless pmb keep up your words of wisdom stephanie keep up your inspirational quotes what what and justin cut back on the food yeah he's probably not doing that this week i'm really sorry but thank you so much for your de- your reviews here on The Debrief, folks. We love getting those. And we also love our getting your follow-up questions. We've got two of those this week. If you want to send in some follow-up questions, you can do that anytime at sandalschurch.com slash The Debrief, or you can head over to our Facebook page. to search for The Debrief Podcast.
0: Yeah, and don't be intimidated. I've had multiple people come up to me and tell me that they're intimidated to send in a question. Don't send in mm you know, don't be intimidated to send in a <laughs> don't question. Don't send, send in questions. Don't be intimidated to send in a question, you know. I mean, the answer is if it's terrible, we won't ask it. So, you know, we will not embarrass you. Um, and and a lot of times your questions will cause me to look at the text in a slightly different manner. So, you know, don't be afraid. That's what this is for. The purpose of the debrief is to help you to go a little bit deeper. Let me encourage you, you know, we're halfway through the summer, or not more than halfway through the summer. And some of you are slacking a little bit on your Bible reading. Be reading, you know, this week is Acts chapter 10, um, and 11, one of the most important chapters or the two most important chapters in the book of Acts. Um, and so, so don't miss, this is, this is gonna be great. So we'll be reading along because um, it's not just important that you hear my thoughts, our thoughts on it, but that you're reading God's word. That's the most important thing.
1: Great, so our first follow-up question is from Donna and she specifically is referencing Acts chapter eight. And she says that verse 12 there says that the people believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ and were being baptized men and women alike. Then in verse 14 through 16, it says, Peter and John were sent from Jerusalem to Samaria. And when they came, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And Donna asks, our understanding is then that the Holy Spirit is given at the time a person believes. We don't understand why Peter and John needed to lay hands on the people for them to receive the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Donna, first thing, whenever I hear the name Donna, I think of that old song from the 1950s or 60s. Oh, Donna. Oh, no, no one no, knows it.
1: Just keep going though, yeah, that's great.
0: I don't know, my, my mom and dad used to listen to it. But anyways, Donna, man, it's a great question. And let, let's just, just remember what the book of Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive, and you say, well, what does that mean? Well, when you go to the doctor, you get a prescription. So they're telling you to take this, do this. They're prescribing that. That is not what the book of Acts is doing. The book of Acts is describing. So it's telling us what happened. What did the disciples experience? How did the church grow? And so it's really, really important that that we remember that as we go along. Otherwise, we could get really funky in our theology. Like for example, some churches baptize only in the name of Jesus because we see in the book of Acts that they are baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's a description, not a prescription. Where do we go to get the prescription? The prescription is in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And so with uh, this description of what took place, we need to remember that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. The problem is simply because you've been given the command doesn't mean that you're necessarily obedient and understand. So Jesus tells them what to do. Now here's the thing that's amazing. They reluctantly do it. Even as we look at the gospel going forth, it's really not the apostles proclaiming the gospel to Samaria. And to Judea, and even uh, to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. It is Greek speaking Jews that the gospel has gone forth. And so, what happens over and over again is Peter and the disciples are late to the party. And so, what the Holy Spirit is showing us is the Holy Spirit is validating the original movement. We don't have separate movements here. We have the same movement. This is the movement of Jesus that is now the movement of the apostles. And so that it's important that we understand that God is not starting new movements, but it's the same movement, first to Jews, then to Samaritans, and now to Gentiles. And so in each, in each instance, we see a unique falling of the Holy Spirit on these people. What's interesting is, is it happens in different ways. So for example, in Acts two, the Holy Spirit follows on people who have been believers for a long time. They've waited 40 days for the Holy Spirit and it falls upon them. Then we read with uh, the Samaritans, they receive the gospel, but the Holy Spirit doesn't fall upon them until Peter and the apostles come and lay hands and pray on them. Here in this instance, Peter is simply telling them about Jesus, which it's a little odd here because he also says, as you have heard. So Cornelius and these people also already have a little information about Jesus, but in the midst of his sermon, he doesn't even get to now, you know, repent of your sins, place your faith and trust Jesus Christ. In the middle of his sermon or towards the end of his sermon, the Holy spirit falls. And so it's a little different in each way, how it happens. And the Holy Spirit is is different in almost every way throughout the book of Acts. But what's important is to understand this, is that the overall teaching is, is that when we repent of our sins and we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has promised to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive that gift immediately when we profess faith in Christ. We may, however, have an experience, a radical experience, profound experience with the Holy Spirit, not once after salvation, not twice, but multiple times. We can have we can have encounters with the Holy Spirit throughout our lives, and we need to invite these where the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us in a unique way, empowers us, gifts us, or in this instance, gives the Gentiles the gift of tongues, just like the Jews received the gift of tongues in Acts chapter two. And this is why this is so important, Donna, and for everybody else who's listening because the gospel, and this was so radical for the Jewish mind, the gospel is not just for Jews. Jews are no longer the chosen people of God. All who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are the chosen people of God. And Peter needs to see this, and we're gonna see next week that he, he has to defend this before mm-hmm. the church. Oh, wow, so Jesus was serious that the gospel is gonna go to all nations. And not only is the gospel gonna go to all nations, but there's no longer classes of believers. We are all one in the body of Christ. And so Peter is going to experience this and see this through the work of the Holy Spirit. So he's a believer, but he's still growing. He understands, but he's still ignorant. And that's where we all are in our faith is he's growing in this. And so Donnie, you're absolutely right. Your understanding of the gospel and of the Holy Spirit is absolutely right. However, here it's a unique situation. And this is a one-time experience to the Gentiles. Um, and, and by Gentiles, you know, this is my Pentecost, Claude's Pentecost. This is um, Stephanie's Pentecost. We're Gentiles. So this this is the birth of the church really in uh, in an official manner to the Gentiles. Although the Ethiopian eunuch a couple weeks ago was led to Christ. This is really the, the movement of the spirit at large to Gentiles everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, great question, Donna. Great question. And, and again, that's why you guys need to send in your questions because it'll cause me, to take some time to explain things in depth
2: that maybe we would miss. And it's such a great perspective to take into reading the book of Acts, what you said that a lot of this is descriptive. Uh, It's not prescriptive and how we should think about theology and how God normally works, but it's describing history. Uh, The next question actually goes way back about a month uh, from Stu, I love that name, S-T-U. Yeah, I had a good friend in college named Stu. Isn't there a character on the Simpsons named
0: Stu? I don't this know. Disco, Stu. but my hold on my friend Stu. We went bungee jumping really quick, and he jumped, but had second thoughts and tried as he jumped no. to to, gra- to jump back and grab the platform. And he we were like 200 feet in the air. He was hanging on the platform by his fingers, and literally one of the workers had to walk up and pry his fingers <laughs> off one by one as he was screaming, please don't. That's got to be more dangerous than just jumping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the guy was telling him, we can't pull you up. You have to fall. You've committed. Yeah. He's hanging. He was hanging 200 feet in the air. Disco and We are all screaming.
2: His name was Stu. Sorry. Uh, Disco Stu asks this question. Uh, back on the July 26 debrief, this is about kind of various severities of sin. And he said, uh, You answered a question about different severities of sin, mentioned the idea of breaking one part of the law being equal to breaking all of it, that, that people sort of made that up in different parachurch ministries or whatever. But, you know, James two ten says, Anyone who's broken one right. law or has kept the whole law yet stumbled at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Sure. So, how does that relate to that answer about severities of sin? Yeah,
0: absolutely the point of what james is saying is when we when we broke law when we broke one law we're we're, we're guilty we're, we're we're guilty and the reality is we've all broken all of the laws i mean run run through them start start with you know uh, the first commandment thou shall have no other gods before me i mean the reality is every single day as a follower of jesus christ i am in a battle for what gets my worship and i'm a follower of jesus Next thing, don't make any idols. I have idols every day, everywhere. I'm trying to tear these things down, trying to rid myself. I mean, that's the first two commandments. And then I just run through these things. And um, the reality is um, I I, I commit them all. What I'm trying to say is there is a difference. There is a fundamental difference between thinking about killing somebody and killing somebody. And when as Christians, we say there is no difference, it really shows that we lack uh, philosophical and really a, 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 an intellectual um, insight. We're, we're missing something. There, there is a difference there. And, and, and the Old Testament clearly lays that out. Paul's point is we're all guilty, but that doesn't mean that sins are all the same. Uh, and, and for example, the same guy who says, you know, that he has broken all the law says he is the worst sinner of them all. So he understands that there, there, there is a rank here. I don't think he's just being, you know, Um, allegorical here. I think he truly believes that the gospel was shown to him in a unique way and truly he has received an extraordinary level of grace because God forgave him the worst sinner of all time. And so I think that it's important that we, um, you know, that we, that we remember that, you know, there is a difference between lying and shooting somebody. There is a difference between you know, killing yourself. And like, for example, that German pilot killed himself and flew everybody on the plane into the side of the mountain. There's a difference. What is more severe? Well, suicide's really bad and you shouldn't do it. But committing suicide and taking 250 people with you, it's worse. It's not the same. That's all I'm trying to say is Christians need to realize, and, and Jesus said, right, to Pilate, those who brought me to you are guilty of the greater sin. Why? Because they have more knowledge. They have more understanding. John says the same thing in 1 John. Those who commit sins that lead into death, unfortunately, he doesn't tell us what they are. The Catholic church tried to guess. That's where we get the seven deadly sins. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but at least they're trying to help people say, look, there's a severity of sin here. I mean, even Jesus lists, right? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That right there mm-hmm. tells you. I mean, he says, you cannot be forgiven of this sin, which says it's different. So, You know, I'm just, it's the same thing, Claude, like when I'm trying to get people, you know, I'm trying to push on people to be afraid of God because everybody thinks God's their buddy. And and, and when God speaks, it's always gonna be a care bear. And it's always gonna be this hug, this group hug, this think tank, this Oprah show. And the reality is when God shows up, you know, today at staff meeting, we were talking about Genesis and I flew through Genesis 15 where uh, God speaks to Abraham and has this covenant. It says, deep darkness and great dread came over Abraham. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he just encountered the living God, deep darkness and great dread. God loves Abraham. God has a plan for Abraham. God's going to bless Abraham, but the reality of God's presence is so powerful. And that's why I'm trying to push on the church. So I'm not saying God is always scary every single time when he speaks. I'm saying not every good feeling that you have is the voice of God and we need to be prepared. So in the same way, it's just, it's just silly for us to run around saying, all sin is the same. All sin is like cancer. It is deadly and it separates you from the God. So in that way, it's the same, right? I mean, does it really matter whether you die of lung cancer, brain cancer? I don't know. They're both gonna kill you unless you get radical treatment. And so in that way, sin is the same. It is equal, equally, spiritually devastating in the life of every person, whether there's little sin or lots of sin. We all, according to Romans 3, fall short of the glory of God. Great question. that was yeah, good. That was great. I got a little fired up.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. We love getting those, obviously. So please feel free to send in more if you've got questions from this episode or anything that you've heard so far on The Debrief. You can send those in at sandalschurch.com slash debrief. There's a big red button on there that says send in your questions. Or you can head over to our Facebook page. Just search for The Debrief Podcast on Facebook. Drop some questions in there. We would love to answer them. So now we're going to jump on into Acts 10, uh, which we got to cover this weekend at Sandals Church. And so we're going to start off right here with verses one through three, uh, where we introduce uh, a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who it says was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, and as, as was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. So I have a question here. It, this guy obviously wasn't Jewish. He was Roman, and this is before he was a follower of Jesus. So, what would he have actually known about God?
0: Yeah. So the answer is, we don't know because he doesn't tell us. And so this is, you know, part of the challenge when you read scriptures it doesn't tell you everything. So it tells us what we need to know. So what do we what do we need to know about Cornelius? Is he's a Roman officer? He is. I mean, it specifies that he was uh, known with the Italian cohort. So this was probably an elite group an elite group of Roman soldiers who were very, very famous at the time and Cornelius would have been known probably as some kind of war hero, which is why his name is specified. So this guy's an important guy. It doesn't specifically say that he's a convert to Judaism, but I think uh, Luke is probably not saying that because his goal is not to get Gentiles to convert to Judaism, but like the eunuch who had converted, right? to the one true God. So people from all over the world became inspired by the Jews' faith and their willingness to be separate and different. And there was something about the Jewish God that is so radically different from the rest of the gods in, in the world at that time. So I think he probably has converted to Judaism in some light, whether we were circumcised or not, probably not, but he is operating in a way where he recognizes that the God of the Jews is God. And so he fears him. And again, back to our last question. I mean, a a healthy fear of God is a precursor to faith. We, we, We need to understand, right? The smallness, his bigness, his holiness, our sinfulness. So this is a precursor to faith. So it says that he feared God. What's amazing here is it says, not only did he fear God, but he led his household to fear God. So here he is in the middle of this Roman sexual cesspool known as Caesarea. So think like Vegas, right? Like in the seventies, right? Just wild stuff, no internet, people do whatever they want. You know, there's no, there's no way for people to find out what's happening. That's what Caesarea was. What happens in Caesarea. Yeah. What happens in Caesarea stays in Caesarea and think about it. Caesarea cesspool. That's what it is. Um, you know, as far as we know, Jesus never went there. It's, it, it's a dirty, filthy place where Jews are appalled. And so Jews who, who happen to be there are in the minority and they don't want to be there. It's they're there because they have to be there for business or whatever. And so, you know, here's Cornelius in sin city in Israel, and he loves God. He fears God and he's praying and God hears him. It's a powerful thing. So we don't know everything about Cornelius. Cornelius is a very, very popular name. And it comes from Um, a a Roman officer named Cornelius about 90 years before Christ. And he sets a thousand Roman slaves free. Mm. And to honor him, they all named themselves Cornelius. So it's a very, very popular name. It's a very, very famous name about the time and age of Jesus. So people would have been well aware throughout Rome about this name Cornelius. It's a noble name. And isn't it interesting? It comes from setting slaves free. I mean, God knows what he's doing. And so Cornelius here is about ready to be set free from the the slavery to sin. It's pretty, pretty powerful. So did I I answer your full question? I kind of got-
2: Yeah, let me ask you this, just kind of a follow-up question. It seems like the term God-fearer is a term that comes up in the scripture. Is that something specific that that Jewish people would know? Uh, They went to synagogue or they did certain things? Yeah, in in some instances.
0: And so that's why I don't want to answer that here is because we don't know, because Luke doesn't tell us. He very well may have gone to, uh, synagogue, but in order for that to happen, he would have been circumcised, and mm-hmm. I don't think he is here. I mean, this guy is still a Gentile, and and, and so you know what makes a con- what makes a convert to Judaism is right, it's is circumcision, celebration of the Sabbath, um, and and dietary laws. And Cornelius, as far as we know, is not circumcised. He is not uh, eating and living like a Jew. Mm-hmm. So whether or not he's going to synagogue, we don't know. So I don't think he's a convert.
2: I think he is a respecter of the Jewish God. Mm. Now, this is gonna kind of beg the question that a lot of people have uh, about prayer. You know, do, do non, when non-Christians pray, what is God's response? Does he hear? Uh, you know, what would you say to someone, uh, maybe that's not a Christian, but that's still praying and asking God to answer prayer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe God, um, you know, as it says uh, in this passage in, 10 and, in chapter 10 and chapter 11, that God hears though, those who fear him and do what's right. Even Paul, right, the, the author of salvation by grace and grace alone in Romans chapter two says that those who fear God and do what is right in the end will be justified before the Lord. So, right, he's the author of justification by faith alone. Even in Romans two, Paul says that God pays attention to those who fear him and want to live a, a life that's right. Those are precursors to faith. There's a, the drawing and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know what it is, man. Um, you know, Some people have this. They just intrinsically have this in them. And you'll see this in your children if you have multiple children. Some of your children will just have this God-given, healthy respect for, I, I know God's watching and I wanna do what's right. And then you're gonna have a kid that thinks they can get away with everything. And uh, and I'm not saying one kid saved one not saved, but but I was that kid growing up that always knew I need to be worried about God in a healthy way, mm-hmm. not in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I knew that I needed to do the right thing. And so um, I, I think that's a a, a precursor to faith. Um, I, I just had an awareness of my life is having an impact, and I need to, and I'm going to be held accountable for what I do. And, um, you know, I think specifically, um, you know, this weekend I got to listen to uh, um, both Pastor Adam and, and Justin preach at Main Campus. I listened to him on, on the online and I listened to Pastor Adam live. He was talking about his battle with addiction with marijuana. And I was never addicted to marijuana, but I had a period of time in my early 20s where I, I uh, smoked pot on a regular basis. And I remember one time specifically um, going into my friend's bedroom to smoke pot. And his little brother came out, who was probably nine or 10 years old and said, what Mm -hmm. are you guys doing? And even in the midst of my sin, I was convicted. Mm -hmm. At that point, not even of what I was gonna do to myself, but of what message I was teaching this young man. And that was right the precursor of faith. God was moving in my life, preparing me to change my life. And ultimately I walked away from marijuana and never did it again, but it was, a desire to do what's right, even in my sin, right? I knew I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. God's spirit was at work. And so Cornelius is a guy who's probably had to do some pretty bad things in his life. I mean, the Roman, mm. the Roman soldiers, right? They, they did some ugly stuff. So he, man, he, he knows he's a sinner. He's killed people, he's murdered people. He's probably extorted people. He's done some bad things in his life, but he has a fear of God. He has a healthy fear of God. Um, And he's about ready to get saved.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. So the story goes on and it says that one afternoon about three o'clock, Cornelius had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror and asked, what is it, sir? The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man there named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So my question here is, the angel obviously knows everything is talking with Cornelius. Why doesn't he just tell Cornelius and his family what they need to know about Jesus? Why does he send him on this crazy trip to see Peter?
0: Right. Okay. Before I answer your question, all, all my haters out there who think that angels aren't scary <laughs> note, he, Cornelius, okay. a God fears, stares at the messenger, the angel. Let me, let me just read it <laughs> for my, my groupies out there. Stared at him in terror. He's scared to death. This is the normative occurrence when one encounters an angel. He didn't I'm even not, fall down. Yeah, I'm not saying that this happens every time, but listen, trust me on this. An encounter with God is going to be a scary experience that will mark you for the rest of your life. If it's Jacob, mm. it's a broken hip. With Cornelius, he's fallen on his face. He's never going to forget this to the day he died. To the day he died, and and in eternity, probably talks about it in heaven. And so just know that an encounter with God, whether it's God or one of his angels is an encounter with the powerful. And um, so back to your question, why did he do this? And here's the answer. The last point in this weekend's message was, is I can't remember it specifically, but it was something about community. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit drives us towards community. Why wouldn't God just tell Cornelius what he needed to know with an angel? Because God's plan is not for Cornelius to be a part of the church, uh, separate from the church. It's to be a part of the church. And so how is he going to do that? The Holy Spirit is always going to work to drive us to community, to drive us to be a part of God's family. And so again, we have all these people in the world today. Oh, I worship God in my backyard and I don't need to be a part of a church. You are being disobedient to God. There is no perfect church. And if there was, they wouldn't let you in. So find an imperfect church, stay loyal to her and love her because it is your obedience to God. And notice here, Notice what comes before. Let me, let's read it. It says, God spoke to him and said, your prayers and, big and here, alms, have ascended as a memorial before God. So your behavior has grabbed the attention of God. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a it's a powerful thing. And so, you know, what we do matters. How we live our life matters. And so he says, and now send men to Joppa to bring Simon, who's called Peter. I want you... I want you, Cornelius, to no longer worship me in isolation, but I want you to worship me in the reality of who I am and in the community that I'm working in. And so he's gonna bring Peter. And so we need to be in church. We need to be not just in church. Some of you are attending church and that's a great first step, but you need to be in community where you are praying with people who love and know Jesus. It's just so important. That is Jesus's will for your life. And we're gonna pick on Peter why is he so slow? Why are you so slow to get in the community when God has clearly stated that the primary way that you show your love for him is
2: by loving his people. And, um, and I know it's not easy, I mm-hmm. know, uh, so. Yeah, and Cornelius, at this point, is way connect, disconnected yeah. from the church. And so God's gonna intervene here. So the next day, uh, picking up verse nine, is Cornelius' messengers are nearing the town. Uh, Peter goes up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry. He wants a snack. And while a (laughs) meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down at four corners and on the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And he says, no, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean, like those animals. Uh, But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Uh, And that's what we call the closing statement to the sermon. And so the animals on the sheet, you know, that's confusing for me. What's going on there? Why are these certain reptiles, birds, uh, and what were they and why couldn't Jews eat them? Yeah,
0: well, the fundamental answer is, um, and are you going to ask a follow-up question on that? Okay. Mm -hmm. The fundamental reason is because God told them not to. So what it means to be holy, a lot of times we, we interpret the word holy as perfection. It really means separate, be different. So God has really asked Jews to be separate in three ways. Number one, um, sexually. They're to be different from the rest of the world. The rest of the world you know, is promiscuous in their sex. They engage in homosexual sex. Jews are not to do that. Then their food that they eat, the rest of the world has a way in which they eat. Every culture has this. The Jews, no matter where they go, are not to eat like everyone else. They are to eat according to God. And so why is that? God says your sexual passions will be different and your desire for food will be different. Why? Because those are real powerful passions. And so those need to be curbed to follow me. And then the third one is participation in the Sabbath. Six days you shall work, one day you shall rest. And so you're not just gonna be all about money. You're not just gonna be all about stuff. One day you, your whole household, all your animals, your whole economy will stop. So God says for a Jew, their sexual practice is gonna look different. Their food is gonna look different. And the way they try to make money is gonna look different. And those are all the three traps that we all fall into on a regular basis. And so um, they have specific dietary laws that are laid out in Leviticus. What they're supposed to eat, what they can eat, and what they're not supposed to eat, and um, what's interesting is the foods that are here in Acts are just bizarre. Um, you know, I don't know that there was a, there was a big run on lizards. You know, but it <laughs> says reptiles and birds. If you think about it, are pretty disgusting animals. Like I've never looked at a raven and been like, "Mmm, I want to <laughs> eat that." You know, ravens are disgusting animals. So. Um, you know, some birds taste okay. You
2: know, chickens are not bad. But. picture Ozzy Osbourne. Was he the guy that oh, like yeah, he bit, a dove. bit the head, off, he bit the head off a dove?
1: I actually have a follow-up question there, though. Did God declare certain animals unclean for a reason? So you're talking about ravens are gross. Like, no one really wants to eat lizards. I know there's a whole list of animals that God tells the Jews not to eat, not only to make them different, but... I've read articles or seen things that people have said, like, oh, well, God said those were unclean because we really shouldn't eat them. Yeah, Is that the case?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, certainly, um, you what, know, lobster, range, shrimp, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, animals that prey on dead things, um, you know, have bacteria, have higher levels of bacteria. Pigs, the way they used to feed pigs, you know, had higher higher, higher levels of bacteria. And so you could get sick, you can get worms. And yeah, I mean, God is pointing those things out probably because there's some health concerns there because they didn't have, um, you know, the cleanliness that we can have nowadays. They didn't know how to feed these animals and and cook these animals in such a way that it was safe. So, so yeah, I think there were some health benefits. And I think oftentimes there are health benefits to what God asks us to do, but that's Mm. not the primary purpose. Mm. The primary purpose is obedience. So when we go all the way back to Genesis three, God says, don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say because it's bad for you. Right. And Eve looked at mm. it and know what, notice what she says. She saw that it would be good for food. So in that instance, it, it, it looked good and seemed good. Um, and ultimately it didn't do anything bad to her because of its food. But what happened to her was because of her disobedience, she experienced death. Um, she disobeyed God. And so... The reason why I want to shy away from the dietary things is because then when we get into sexual sins, well, you know, you know, now we can have homosexual sex in 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 a safer way that doesn't cause you know sickness or illness, maybe in the way in the past. And so, see what I'm saying? We can get into this real slippery slope where now because it's safe and it doesn't it doesn't cause damage to the body, it's okay when, as Christians it doesn't matter where something is healthy or not. What matters is did God say don't do it? Because ultimately our job as Christians is to fear God and be obedient to him, whether we understand it or not, or agree with it or not. You know, take, you know, take the issue of circumcision. So circumcision is cutting uh, the, 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 the foreskin, so the, the foremost skin on, on the tip of a man's penis off, and there's all kinds of medical information now that says don't do that because it's you know it it takes away sensations from the man during sex. It's uh, uh, it's barbaric. I mean there's 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 a whole movement that says we don't need to do this anymore. Now we can train young boys how to clean it. And I'm sure you know Stephanie's writhing right now. Sorry, you know there's so, so there's there's all this oh we shouldn't do this because it's all these things. The bottom line is it doesn't matter. God told Abraham to do it, and so it became a uh, a physical an outward uh, sign of an inward faith, and so whether it 's beneficial or not, you know moses didn 't circumcise his kids because there were cleanliness issues, or you know Abraham they did it because God said to do it, and w- we need to just trust God there, and I think God is intentionally being offensive with Peter because he doesn 't mm-hmm. whip out a pig right he doesn't you know um, he, you know, he didn't bring out lobster. Or, oh, I've always wanted to take that lobster. It's a reptile. It's exaggerated. Yeah, it's exaggerated. It's a, it's a disgusting lizard, you know? I mean, the only reason you eat a snake is A, you're weird, or B, you're starving, right? I mean, I remember one time we were up in Grand Canyon and they served rattlesnake at this inn. And I was like, I want to try rattlesnake. I kid you not. The waiter goes... No, you don't. <laughs> the waiter, they're selling this product. He's all, he's like, you don't, you don't want to eat it. I'm like, no, I gotta eat it. When am I gonna ever have a chance to eat rattlesnake? He brought the rattlesnake out. I ordered it. It was disgusting. It tastes like grimy yeah. dirt. It was gr- and it was deep fried. Do you know how hard it is to make something still taste bad? it's <laughs> Deep much, fried, I can eat pretty much like Deep fried rattlesnake. It still was bad. It was, it was horrific. And he literally said, "I told you, I wow. told you." So. God whips out uh, uh, you know or on this sheep, pulls out all of this uh, you know these reptiles, and says, "Eat it, you know eat this raven, eat this bird I mean it, it could have been a vulture, right these repulsive things we don 't know exactly where, and Peter is like, "No way because it 's the most offensive thing you could mm-hmm. possibly do, but here's the point of the gospel is he says, what, how dare you say no to what I have declared clean?" and the reality is This is not a picture of diet. This is a picture of what's happened to us. How dare you think that I'm unclean or you're unclean when God has declared you clean? He's declared you righteous through faith in Christ. And so Cornelius is going to be declared clean because of his faith in Christ. He's a new person, he's a new creation. And this is the gospel being presented to Peter, you know, uh, throughout a hometown buffet. You know, it's in a weird way. But it's a way
2: that he will understand and um it's powerful man peter always gets these harsh rebukes man he does and we learn from it thank god for peter because amen we love you peter uh you know the the vision happens three times and i don't know if you want to talk about this but every once in a while in the bible when you see jesus repeat something three times or when you see three times what does that mean is that symbolic or anything yeah
0: absolutely and so um You know, the early church really wrestled with this issue is is how do you know when a dream is just a dream or it's God? How do you know? And so one of the ways that the early church sensed this was that, right, God is gonna continue to speak. You know, the dreams are gonna continue to happen. God is, God's not just gonna speak once, but repetitively. And, you know, three is this idea of, you know, this, it's just like this spiritual number. And and so, uh, and I don't say that God has to, I mean, hopefully, right, if God speaks to me in a vision once, I'm gonna do it. But it was just what Luke is trying to tell us here is there's no way that Peter could have thought it was just a dream. There's no way he could have thought it was just gas or I'm just hungry or, you know, know, um, we, we had a weird, just a weird night last <laughs> night. This is God and you will do this. And so, you know, that's what I would say to you is if you feel like God is telling you to do something and you are dreaming about it repetitively, man, if it's not sin, you better do it. You know, what, what are you, what are you doing? Um, So, yeah.
1: So as it follows up, it says, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over this vision, obviously the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you were looking for. Why have you come? And they said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So does God still commission and send people like this? Like if we're thinking about going on mission and going you know, overseas or going to share the gospel, should we be waiting to hear from God or an angel before deciding to go and do that?
0: Uh, I don't think you need to wait for an angel. Absolutely. I think Claude would have to go to another church if I answered that <laughs> you know, with the affirmative. No, Jesus has already said go. So, mm-hmm. so the whole church functions with the purpose of reaching the loss for Christ. So that, that's why we gather together, we, we pool our tithes and our offerings together so that we can be an efficient mechanism to carry the gospel forth. So the question is, is what is your participation in the going? So um, am I a goer or am I a sender? So all of us are one of those two things. So um, I'm not, I'm not a goer. Like, you know, I went to India. I've been sick for a month. You Clearly I died. am not a yeah. goer. My a intestines are not made to go. They're made to stay and eat Burger King with clod. <laughs> yes. yes. right. You that's, gave it a good shot though. Yeah, I, I tried. Leave I the eat reptiles <laughs> to yeah, somebody Yeah, I eat the reptiles. Oh my gosh, because Stephanie picked the restaurants. It was, <laughs> Stephanie likes to eat filth. It just, that's that is just not a, true. I like You to eat like the most food. disgusting restaurants we could find.
1: Not true. It
0: is true. I wanted to eat, I took them it to this nice like... restaurant and all of you guys judged me.
1: I was a little the like, we like the authentic was, Indian. I don't experience. want authentic
0: Indian because it comes with parasites, which I think maybe I got. So, awesome. anyway, you got. Some, some of us, Stephanie, that. might be a goer because she has a goer gut. She can, <laughs> she, can, she can eat it, man, whatever it is. It doesn't bother her. Me, I sense, I'm sensitive. See? You are sensitive. On the outside and inside, I'm sensitive. Mm, yes. So, all of us are, are to participate in this. The question is how? And so, you know, we work. And, and so my desire is like, some people want to get rich to be rich. I want to be wealthy so I can fund the mission of God. You know, I'm not looking to build a great mansion for myself or, or to, you know, be this person of immense wealth. I want to fund the mission of God. And so when Tam and I talk about an ability to make more money, it's an opportunity to do more for the kingdom and not ourselves. And so all of us need to do this. Now, having said that, One of the ways that we can decipher that we're a goer and not a sender is God's spirit, an angel, somebody coming up to us and say, I really feel like you are gifted in this manner, you know, that you are called in this way to do this. And I believe that God can speak to the individual, but it will be affirmed by the church. The church will affirm it. So if you feel like God has told you to go and everybody's going, I don't know, listen to the church. That doesn't mean... You know, at the end of the day, this is what I tell people. One of my good friends felt called to missions and I was like, I don't think so. And I told him this. I said, my strong inclination is you're not supposed to go. But at the end of the day, you have to listen to what you believe God is telling you to do and not me. Mm. That's what I told him. Because you're not gonna stand before me on judgment day. You're gonna stand before God. I've prayed about it. I don't feel good about this. I I don't get a sense of peace about this. However,
2: and he was married. I said, you and your wife feel like this is what you're supposed to do. You need to do it. You know, and I get this question a lot too. And I, I think what's great for people to hear from you is that even though you might not be a long-term goer, you got sick cause you went to India. Yeah. You know, you were still obedient to the clear uh, command of Jesus that we're still supposed to go make disciples of all nations. And it might not be long-term, but it's still, we can still go short-term. And Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, he's not from Joppa. Right. Right. He's already obeying. Yeah. He's already on mission with God, is one way we could say it, when he gets clearer uh, direction. Right. You know, so this didn't come out of the blue while he was kind of right. sitting at home being disobedient. Well, and that's huge. So thanks for reminding me, Claude. Go back a couple weeks ago to the
0: message how to hear from God. You know, the first was become a follower of Jesus, the second was be obedient. So when you're on mission with God, God's more likely to speak to you. So Right, The Holy Spirit tells Philip, go. Why? Because Philip's already going. The Holy Spirit's not gonna tell somebody who's sitting. He's telling somebody who's in the process of going. So as you are in obedience to God, sharing the gospel, you're gonna hear from God. So I think about you and I, when we were in um, um, India last month, you know, Stephanie and I, we were split up into teams. We weren't on the same team that day, but we were sent into a mall, literally a mall, like four-story Tyler Mall, and we were told to pray for a person of peace that the Holy Spirit would tell us to talk to somebody. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit told me, talk to this girl. She's 13 years old and it was her birthday. And she was in this Starbucks and we had a great conversation. I'm still in contact with her and her family. And and they're they're amazing, amazing people, but it was the Holy Spirit who said, this is the person. But where was I? In India, already going, I was already there. And God said, this is the person. Mm. And so you know, the best way to get God to speak to you is get obedient you know, rather than sitting and waiting and saying, I don't know what to do, do something. Cause he's already said,
2: go. So figure out a way to, you know, be a sender and a goer. So my staff are going to love that. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that uh, Peter does is he goes downstairs and he grabs these other brothers um, from Joppa. So first of all, you know, there's a relationship with, between Jop, Joppa and Caesarea. I, I don't know as much as you do. We explain that yeah, and then so we'll talk about So these are rival why.
0: towns. So, you know, Israel um, does not have a really good natural port. So if you think about California and the West Coast, there's amazing natural ports. San Diego has a beautiful harbor. Long Beach, not as great, but but close. San Francisco, one of the most glorious harbors in the history of the world. I just know all
2: the trains go right by my house.
0: Yeah. That's all I know. There you go. So these places are are natural influxes for goods to to, to be brought. And so in the ancient world, the freeway system was the oceans. It was the easiest way to get goods from one place to the other. So what made cities great were harbors. So Joppa has not a great harbor, but it's the greatest harbor that Israel has. So for example, when Solomon builds the temple, the trees... Uh, the, Cyprus, or excuse me, the, uh, the oak trees from Lebanon are brought by boat to Joppa and then to Jerusalem. So here's the thing though, Joppa is Jewish. It's predominantly Jewish. The Jews hate King Herod, can't stand him because he lives like a Gentile. And he's really not even ethnically a Jew. He's, he's a poser. So he is not popular in Joppa. So what he does is he builds his own, his own port. And so Caesarea is a completely man-made It was one of the most glorious works of the ancient world. I mean, when you go there, if you guys, hopefully you'll get to come with me next time, but it's one of my favorite places to go because the aqueduct system that King Herod built to bring water to this city still stands. Hmm. So there wasn't natural water there. There wasn't a harbor there, but Herod built his own harbor. And basically, you know, flipping his middle finger to the Jews and he's like, I'm gonna build what I want. I'm gonna build my own place. So Joppa is extremely threatened by Caesarea. So Joppa is full of Jews. Caesarea is full of Gentiles, Romans. God tells a Gentile in Caesarea to send people to Joppa to bring. So this is the, like, this is the most harsh thing, right? So this is like, you know, what, what city in Oklahoma did you? Tulsa. Okay, so Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some Southern Baptists from Tulsa, Oklahoma. God saying, you're going to go to Vegas and share the gospel, right? Vegas growing up as a no Baptist way. was like, I mean, <laughs> no way. My, my parents wouldn't even play cards, you know? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Um, and so Caesarea is the cesspool of sin in Jerusalem. It's where everything wild happens. What happens in Caesarea stays in Caesarea. And so they say, go to uh, this guy named Tanner's and he's got this guy named there named Peter and you're gonna bring him. So Peter's like, okay, I had a dream. God told me three times, but I'm gonna bring some back up because what he's doing is radical and crazy. This would be like like the president of the the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Okay, seriously. This would be like the president of the Black Lives Matter movement having a dream that he needs to support Donald Trump for president. What's gonna happen relationally? What's gonna happen, right? It just got real. (laughs) No, seriously. I mean, these are the kinds of things that are happening here. There is animosity between these groups, and so can you imagine the head? I don't even know who that is, but whoever that was saying, you know what? I had a vision from God that Donald Trump is our guy. Mm. What do you think is going to happen to him from his fellow Black Lives Matter movement? There's going to be some conflict. So Peter says, "You know what? I'm going to bring some people with me as backup to prove that God is saying this." Um, You know, uh, I mean, this this is so socially crazy. Uh, I mean even I'm trying to think, I mean, that would be the most contemporary example that, that I can think, but um, there's there deep, deep rooted animosity between these two mm. groups. And so now Peter is going to the Roman Vegas to lead a, listen, a Roman officer. Who, who, who killed Jesus ultimately? I mean, the Roman soldiers, the oppressors the right. oppressors of Israel. So not only is this guy a Gentile, but this is the guy that rips Jews off. Remember, Jesus says, if, if a Roman officer asks for you to take him one mile, go two, it's because they manipulated and they cheated. And you know, they, they did bad things. These were, these were police officers back in the day that weren't always great. Now you're gonna go to this guy and you're gonna share the gospel because God said. So we, we've been critical of Peter. We need to, we need to give him some props here because what he is doing is so crazy
2: radical. Um, and if you're listening and you live in Vegas, Stephanie, do you got any kind words for our friends in Vegas? We still love you. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, Vegas is a different da-
0: town today. I mean, it's a real city with real people. Back when I was a kid, there wasn't much housing developments there. I mean, people <laughs> went there for one purpose only, and that was not for Jesus. So, mean to so I love all my people in Vegas, and,
2: and I've got some good friends that live
0: out there. So <laughs> blessings.
2: Well, as Peter enters his home, Cornelius falls at his feet and it worships him. Uh, but Peter pulls him up and says, stand up. I'm just a human like you, you know, Cornelius, uh, we see people do this with angels every once in a while. Uh, Cornelius worships Peter. Uh, he's, he's this God fear, but why would he, why would he do that? Cause he's still ignorant. And that's a great question. Is this guy a convert? No,
0: he kind of gets it, but he doesn't understand it. So Romans chapter one says that there's a natural understanding of who God is. How can we see this? We can see this through the mountains and the oceans and the stars. There's a, there's a, the creation argues for the existence of God. The problem is the creation isn't gonna tell you what God. So that's when people say, well, I feel closest to God when I'm in the mountains or I'm at Yosemite. No, you feel closest to yourself. That's the reality. Yes, Yosemite declares the wonders of God, but it doesn't draw you close to him. Only Jesus does. So while Cornelius has a healthy fear of God, he's still ignorant. And which, for example, he falls on his face and worships a dude. If he knew who God was, he wouldn't do that. So, what Peter just intrinsically understands as a Jew, this guy who's been raised his whole life to think that, right? I mean, Romans worship Caesar as God. So they're used to worshiping people as God. Caesar is Lord. Mm. And the Christian confession is no, Christ is Lord. Caesar is not Lord, which is what got him in the hot water. Mm. So, Romans are used to worshiping people.
2: And he's wrong.
1: Yeah, that makes more sense.
2: You know, it's, uh, sorry. It's interesting that it is kind of that equality. What does he say there? Hold on. I'm a human being just like you. You yeah. know, going back to that vision and all that. Do you yeah. think there's anything any other meaning behind that that Peter's starting to figure out?
0: I think it's Peter's recollection of um he's a sinner just like Cornelius. You know, as Christians, we are just as in need of the gospel as the people that we preach it to. And I you know, I think that um that is fundamentally true, you know. Um, you and I were having a discussion about Mormonism. That was me and you, right? Sure. And you were talking about how for Mormons, the cross gets smaller and smaller. Right. The The more they become like God in perfection. And for us as Christians, the more and more we become like Christ, the cross gets bigger and bigger. And we realize our need. We realize our need for the gospel. Maybe you shared that in your message. Yeah two weeks ago, sorry, you didn't tell me that person. See, I was listening to your sermon. Thank you. But I think that was powerful that if the cross is growing smaller and smaller in your life, your need for the cross, then your relationship with God is growing further and further distant. You're not growing in intimacy. You're actually pulling away from him because the longer, um, like when, when I got saved, I thought I had some things I needed to work on. Like I was sorry for smoking pot, I was sorry for, you know, having sex before marriage. I was sorry for getting drunk. Like I, I those are my like, three things, yeah. right? So you I get rid of those. No idea. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, man, I start realizing what's wicked about me is not my behavior. It's my heart. And my behavior is caused by the attitude of my heart. And so now I start realizing, you know, oh my gosh, you know. Um, I can't even love well the people that matter more to me than anybody in this world—my wife and three kids. I have a hard time being loving to the people I love the most. Why? Because I'm a sinner, just like Cornelius, and I need the gospel.
1: Hmm. So Do you hear that, Stephanie.
0: When you get the, hmm, that's the, that's the that? amen. The Holy Close Spirit just showed up. Yeah, that that right there is my. <laughs> that's that true, that's motivates my, me. Well,
1: I'm going to need to just spend some time taking that in. But I'm supposed to also keep this podcast going. I'm yeah. just going to say, hmm.
0: hmm. So well, when you share something really profound, I'm going to end with this, Claude.
2: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see you know that's Peter, nice. you know almost being like this Christian celebrity in in um, yeah. the Cornelius probably hurt had hurt has heard of him. Yeah. And uh, you know you probably get treated like this, like when yeah. people run into you and, and you know. Yeah, uh, a couple uh, times I've been to your house, you've thrown yourself in the I've thrown myself in us, man. You know, you get a little <laughs> like, oh, wow, this is so-and-so. Yeah. You know, you get around a Christian uh, celebrity and you go, wow. And so there's a little, it's interesting to see Peter's humility, maybe because of the rebukes he's repeatedly had yeah. by God himself, <laughs> yeah. that he shows up and goes, no, I'm just a man like you. I mean, already maybe piecing together that we're, in God's eyes, we're a lot more on the same plane than he may have thought yeah. as a devout Jew before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Hmm.
1: hmm. Hmm. What's funny is the the next passage. Then, sort of, Peter's kind of I think unpacking what God's been doing, and it says, "Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you.' But God has shown me that I know it's like the like most a little rough Peter's still yeah, a little unkind rough. way to enter someone's house. I'm not yeah. supposed to be here. No one. T- I'm not yeah. supposed to talk to you. But I'm God has talk shown to you, me, Stephanie.
0: But you know, you're unclean, and God <laughs> has said that you were unclean.
1: I think you said that the first time we met. Actually, yeah, yeah.
2: That's what you said when you came to my house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it says, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. So we've talked a lot this episode about that, the relationship between the Jews and the Romans, that that's tense. Were Jews really not allowed to go into Romans' homes? Was that part of the law?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, well, it's not a part of the law. So so, so here's the challenge of the law. The law is given to the Jews with the assumption that they run their own country. <laughs> So, and this is how Christians get in trouble all the time. Christians get in trouble because they try to make Americans worship God through our laws. And it's never worked and it just ticks people off. And we need to quit. You know, I, I don't think America needs to be Christian. Now, I think Christian principles and values have created a beautiful country, but, but you know, America is not, uh, you know, Israel in any way. And so it's, it's difficult. And so we need to learn how to live in a nation that's really not Christian in any practical way. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, America is as far from, you know, many of the the, the truths of Christianity as it can possibly be. And every day says no to the Bible and yes to our own desire, every day. And so the question that as Christians we need to ask ourselves is how do we live uh, in a a non-God-fearing society as God fears? And that's the question. And so uh, for Jews, I don't think they did it the best way. They alienated themselves from non-believers, which Paul specifically says in 1 Corinthians that we are to alienate ourselves from Christians who fall into sin. But we should never do that from people that don't know the gospel. And so that's part of the challenge: is you know, if you have a Christian that's in absolutely blazing, unrepentant sin, you you need to you need to unhook from them. But if you have a non-Christian friend that's a total idiot, you need to love them. And be there for them because they don't know the gospel and they don't have the truth. And so, um, you know, the Jews were always meant to be a light unto the nations, always. They just forgot that. And so here's what's so sad is, Cornelius is a god fear, and he still knows he's on the out. He's not in, he's not in the group. But what God is telling Peter is, he can be in through faith in Christ. And that's the beauty here. And so, man, this is why Acts 10 is, is probably the most important chapter in the book of Acts because it tells us, man, we are not saved because we're Jews. We don't have to become Jewish. Acts 15 is gonna deal with this again. Almost every epistle deals with this issue. We need to be followers of Christ. And so what that means is if you are an Iraqi, you can remain an Iraqi and be a follower of Christ. If you are a Saudi, you can remain a Saudi and be a follower of Christ. You don't, you don't have to culturally become Jewish or in many instances, American or English or Korean. Now the Koreans are everywhere sharing the gospel. What you need to become is like Jesus when the, within the cultural context of your culture.
2: So, yeah, would you say, you know, in the Old Testament, you converted, but, but sort of, it was always faith, right? but the packaging had to take on kind of a Jewish yeah. packaging according to the law. And what happened in Acts 10 and on is God is saying, you know, now he accepts people by faith again, same way, but the packaging, the cultural packaging can remain the same. Yeah. And you're going to see incredible resistance that starts,
0: you know, the first division we've seen is between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hellenistic Christians. Now you're going to begin to see a division between Christian Jews and Christians. Right. And, and, and unfortunately, that division doesn't go over well so long term because. Jews can't divorce their cultural calling from their faith in Christ and they need to. I don't think they needed to cease to become Jews, but they didn't need to make non-Jews become Jews and that was the issue. And I, and I think Gentiles screwed that up either because what Gentiles said is they don't, Jews don't need to remain Jews and I think Paul pretty clearly, like for example, he has Timothy circumcised but Titus is not, right? Why? Titus's parents are uh, Gentiles um, Timothy's half Jewish. And so Paul says, no, 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 don't reject your Judaism, but Titus, you don't, you don't have to be. And, and, and unfortunately, we, we didn't get that. And so like if, if, if a Jewish person became a born-again Christian today, I would encourage them, go to synagogue, stay Jewish, continue to live out all of that, just share the gospel and know that people don't have to do that, and know those things don't save you. But, but there's nothing wrong with retaining the cultural beauty that is Judaism. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So...
1: You mentioned earlier, you know, talking about whether we need to, like, kind of dissociate from Christians who are blatantly sinning and unrepentant, but it's okay to be in relationship with non-Christians. What would the equivalent today of, you know, like, Peter's going to this guy's house to share the gospel, what does it look like for Christians to engage with non-Christians and really meet them where they are, when I think for a lot of us, like, that can seem kind of taboo or... Christians yeah, no. will judge other Christians for yes, trying to no. engage there, with their there's,
0: there's an extreme prejudice today against people who share their faith in any way. It's, it's bizarre. Um, I would say in our culture, sharing your faith is almost considered a social perversion. And so as Christians, we're gonna have to press through that. So we're gonna have to be strategic. We're gonna have to listen to the Holy Spirit when, where, and how we share our faith. And so what I would say is, is I need to be aware as a Christian for the Holy Spirit to be moving in the life of someone else so that I can then tell them about the gospel. So my assumption in sharing my faith is this, A, that the Holy Spirit is already at work in the person God is gonna lead me to share my faith with. That's my assumption. Because if the Holy Spirit is not at work in them, I'm just gonna tick them off or frustrate them. And then B, it is my responsibility to share my faith when I sense the Holy Spirit at work. And that's what people need to be aware of is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is so key. Don't talk about Jesus everywhere you go. You'll be annoying and you won't win converts. Be every single day asking the Holy Spirit, where are you at work and who do you wanna send me to? And the Holy Spirit will send you to somebody. And, um, and I would just say, just be nice, be kind. And when you have the opportunity to share the gospel, share it well, which means you have to know the gospel well. And and, and that's just so important because, you know, like that girl that that God said, this is the one, she had a vision of the cross and she painted the cross for her parents. And her mother said, her Hindu mother said these words, our daughter's half Christian, we think. Because what are they saying? We're sensing something is stirring in her. Now as a Hindu, they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Well, they know it maybe from a Hindu perspective, Mm -hmm. but they don't know what that means from a Christian perspective. And so it was very, very powerful. So we need to share the gospel, but we need to do so um, powerfully and boldly. I get to share the gospel. And so here's one of the things that's confusing is I share the gospel in a bold way in church. It's appropriate. We've gathered together in a Christian church. If people don't like it, they can get up and walk out. They've come there with the assumption you're gonna hear the gospel proclaimed. You're gonna hear what Christians think and believe. I think we can share the gospel in the church in a way that doesn't work outside the church. So we need, to, we need to understand our surroundings. And we see this, we'll see this in Acts 17. Paul shares the gospel in Athens very differently than he does in synagogues. He understands his surroundings. And as Christians, um, we need to be aware of how we share the gospel. And so let me give one more thought here. I know this is running long. Cornelius is already has a healthy respect for God. He already has a desire to follow God. He's already leading his family. To be sensitive. So, this, Claude, this guy's a slam dunk, right? <laughs> and not only that, but an angel has appeared to him and said, Go if you get Peter can't close the deal like on if this. Peter one. can't close the deal here, and praise God, he doesn't close the deal, right? The Holy Spirit does.
2: Doesn't he even wait for his sermon to finish. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, think all the way back to Acts 2. What must we do to be saved? He doesn't even have to lead them through the steps. They want to know. Here's my thing my prayer for every single person is: is when someone says, What what do I have to do to be saved? You've been standing next to me. Stephanie has been standing next to me at the lobby when literally people have asked me mm-hmm. in in these work a non Christian, what do we have to do to be saved? Can you help me to be saved? Mm-hmm. I've had. Can you lead me to Jesus? Yes. And so every Christian needs to be able and ready to do that. I think some of us will have the extraordinary gifts, gifts of evangelism, spiritual gifts to go out in ways that not everybody's gonna be able to do. Everybody needs to be able to lead somebody to Jesus when they say, can you lead me to Jesus? Don't phone a friend. You need to be able to share the gospel with that person in that situation. Um, But I also think we need to understand that that God hasn't gifted everyone in the same way to share the gospel. Just like he hasn't gifted everyone to sing in the same way, you know? So. Especially you. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I heard especially. you say me. I love you. Yeah, you, I tried to leave at the, <laughs> the staff today in Father Abraham, and it was
2: rough.
1: Yeah, that's a little better than that Donna
2: version. Though. Yeah, the Donna one, I'm sick. I apologize, Donna. Oh, we'll erase that later. On. You know, this is, uh, so this is Acts chapter 10. Uh, and, and my point is like, w- there's some time has passed. Uh, it seems like Jesus, when he was with the disciples, he he didn't shy away from Gentiles. You right. know, he, he has the Samaritan woman that he's talking to. Uh, he feeds the 4,000 Gentiles. A lot of people don't realize that's yeah. a, the second story. Uh, You'd mentioned at one point, the woman who comes to him, yeah, the, the Gentile, Gentile woman, you, you can talk about that. So, so the question is why, you know, why this big elaborate you know, vision and, and thing 10 chapters later for Peter, how come the disciples were so slow? Yeah. And then Jesus says, go make disciples of all these ethne and Gentiles and nations. So why, why did it take them so long? And, and here's the answer we're all trapped in our own cultural context. Every single one of us
0: are. Um, You know, let's say Sandals Church becomes a very, very famous church, and 30 years from now, uh, seminary students are studying the movement of Sandals Church. They will be able to see things that we couldn't see because we were trapped within our cultural context. But what they don't know is they'll be trapped in their cultural context as they critique us. And so take the issue of slavery. So my denomination... uh, that I grew up in that I'm a part of is Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists believed that slavery was okay. They were on the wrong side. My mm. denomination was on the wrong side. Mm. And you think, how on earth could they have thought that? Or Well, they were trapped within their own cultural context. Right. And since then, the, you know, Southern Baptists have publicly repented, asked for forgiveness, confessed that as sin. Um, and so that's a good thing. Wow. But... They missed it. Right, that's right. And, and so we can be super critical of white people in the South <laughs> 150 years ago, but the reality is instead of being judgmental of them, we need to look at ourselves and say, okay, what am I missing? What part of the gospel am I missing in my cultural context? Um, how has society so influenced me that I'm not seeing what God has called me to see? And for Peter, his Jewishness is clouding You know his 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 desire to follow God, and so he's he's moving, but he's really following Philip, right? He's I mean he's going, but he's not he's not leading yet, Mm -hmm. and um and this is really going to be Peter's first time leading out and sharing the gospel where God actually calls him because prior to this he called Philip, he hadn't called Peter, he called Philip, and so Peter's been slow playing it, and um and so we need to be careful that we don't just judge Peter and not judge ourselves. Because, um, you know, like I'll give you an example. When I first started the church, I really bought into this whole idea of, of just sharing the gospel through my behavior and my actions. And, you know, that was kind of really cool in the 90s. Like we don't just share the gospel, we are the gospel. And I'll tell you, I learned, if you don't tell people about Jesus, they're not gonna follow Jesus. I was wrong. But there was this whole cultural movement of, of just just be the light and they'll see the light. no. The way they see, Romans 10 doesn't say be the light. It says preach Jesus, and we gotta figure out a way to do that, and um, I've learned. So I was trapped in the cultural context of the 90s, and, um, and some people will laugh laugh about that, you know, because you know, Wyatt wasn't even born in the 90s, so that's, I think he was. What year?
2: 95.
0: 95, staying alive in 95. Right in the middle Lord. There. Yeah, I graduated college that year. I bought Thank these you shoes me feel old Wyatt, the wigster. <laughs>
1: Oh, so it says that even, so Peter's now talking to these people, he's sharing the gospel with them. It says, even as he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So the Holy Spirit, you, I think we're talking about this earlier, yeah. it falls while well. he's still question. even yeah. peaking, speaking. Yeah.
0: So back to Donna. So Donna, pay attention here because what I would underline here is that the men that came with Peter were amazed. They don't understand the gospel is for all. They still feel like they're, you know, us four and no more. This is just a Jewish thing. This is shocking to them. And I want you to know here, these are people, some of them who walked with Jesus, heard Jesus. They've seen, they've seen incredible miracles take place. They've think, I mean, think about the miracles that have taken place, you know, in Joppa, Dorcas is raised from the dead, Right. Wow, yeah. They they have seen extraordinary yeah. miracles and they're still surprised because they still think that God's heart is only for Jewish mm. people. And God's heart is for the nations. The nations. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to fall in the same way upon Gentiles as he did upon the Jews. And so Donna, that's the answer. If the Gentiles don't experience and, and so what kind of Gentile? A dirty, rotten. Roman soldier, the worst. Hmm. I mean, think about this. The only reason Rome is in charge of Israel is because of guys like Cornelius. Guys like Cornelius, I mean, these are the muscle. This is the muscle that makes Rome win. These are the people that are the most hated. They are the enforcers every day. The gospel is for him too. It's for him Hmm. and uh, it's powerful. It is a a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, you know, let me just encourage you that, you know, some of us, I think in our society, we've become so judgmental of people. And I think, frankly, on my worst days, there are people that when I'm in my own selfishness and my own sinfulness, I kind of look forward to the fact that one day, you know what, God's going to get them. And that's a nice way of saying they're going to go to hell, which is a really ugly way of demonstrating how I feel. The reality is, when I'm feeling that way towards people who have hurt me or done me wrong, it reminds me that I have forgotten that I'm Cornelius. I need to go back to Acts 10. I need to look. I need to look at what Peter had to learn. How dare you declare something dirty that I have called to be clean? And um, we need to have that attitude for for, for all people in our church. And um, um, you know, I think about you know, there's a gal in our church that uh, that I know and. Um, she's a she's a prostitute, and um, that's how she makes her living. And um, she comes to sandals uh, on a regular basis. And I see her, and every week I just hug her and I pray for her. Um, and in my religiousness, I want to be judgmental. And I think growing up in the church, right? We, we gotta we gotta keep we gotta keep that out. And I'm like, no, no, no. Where where else should she be? She should be here. And um, I'm just gonna keep preaching the gospel and keep loving on her and trusting that one day God's going to move her to want to change her life because she's here, right? She's a God fear. She's here. And, um, and and I'm grateful and I'm glad she's here. And I'm glad that Sandals is a safe place for her to come and hear the gospel. And I'm not soft on sin. You know, I know we've talked, you know, that, that this is not God's choice for her, but she's in a tough spot, you know? She's in a tough spot, like a lot of women are. And it's difficult to support a family and pay your bills and do those things. And, uh, but I know this, God loves her, just like he loved Cornelius, just like he loved Peter. Right? Jesus called Peter Satan. <laughs> I've had some bad days. <laughs> I've had some bad days. I have never been called Satan. Like, Satan, get behind me. Have you? You probably have.
1: Uh, no. At least not your face.
0: Yeah. No, Notch I don't think face. anybody. That's pretty. I'm pretty awesome. Yeah. And humble. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So we, we we need to we need to remember that you know that there, are, you know no, next time you're sitting in, in, in a seat mm-hmm. at sandals and you're judging the person next to you,
2: just repent, man. It's a great reminder. I mean, between Acts nine, Saul, yeah. Acts ten, Cornelius. I mean, the guy that's killing Christians, the guy who put Jesus on the cross. You yeah. know, great reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, the gospel's real,
0: and it's a reminder. Here's why the world needs Jesus, right? We all, we all wanna say, well, all religions are the same. No, Christianity says, you're never going to be good enough. You needed Jesus. And the world needs to know that. The best Buddhist in the world falls short of the glory of God. The best Hindu in the world falls short of the glory of God. The best Christian in the world falls short of the glory of God. We need Jesus. We all need Jesus the cross. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem, the reason we get self-righteous is we're so busy judging everybody else, we, we fail to look at ourselves, which is why Jesus says in Luke 6, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and fail to see the log in your own? That is Christianity 101. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not, it's not that you're, you know, you're terrible and no good. You, you are loved by God and you are talented and gifted for God to fulfill his purposes. But the reality is you're broken and only Jesus can heal you.
1: So. so the this chapter wraps up with Peter asking, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So we just had baptisms here a couple weeks ago, but... We weren't asking about people being objected. Should we be asking if anyone objects to someone being baptized like Peter's doing here? Well,
0: well we kind of are. So we've kind of shifted a little bit at Sandals because our, our old mode used to be come up right now and get dunked. And now we're requiring them to you know, listen to my talk on what baptism is, to fill out uh, some questions, because it's important that people don't just caught up, get caught up in the moment and in the emotion and, and, and make that decision because baptism doesn't save you. What saves you is faith in Christ. And so we want people not to leave sandals with an artificial sense of security. We want people to truly have wrestled with, okay, what am I doing? And so that's why this last baptism we had, we gave people time to invite their friends and invite their families. And, and they needed to be, be able to express what this means in their life. You know, we're not looking for theologians, but mm-hmm. we're looking for people to be able to articulate, I'm a sinner And I need to be saved. And they need to be able to tell us what that means. And so I think we're doing a better job as a church. You know, we don't need a two-year class. You know, some churches get a little carried away, but we need to make sure you're laughing because they do. We need to make sure (laughs) um, that people aren't getting baptized for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. The reason you want to get baptized is because you acknowledge you're a sinner. And the only way you can get right is by
2: placing your faith in Jesus. And you're going to live for him for the rest of your life. Um, That's why in the context of this story and his guys that are with him, is there something about this where he's saying, hey, your witnesses, when we go back next week, when we go back to the church, are you guys gonna object to what we're about to do? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like in a wedding. Is there anyone here who has any reason that these
0: two shouldn't be? I mean, that's what Peter's saying. He's He's, he's getting back up here because Think about what God had to do just to get Peter to this place. Now he's got to go back, and he's got 11 knuckleheaded disciples that he's got to convince that, hey, guys, this isn't just about us anymore. It isn't just about Samaritans anymore. You know, it's not, Samaritans are half Jews. This is about completely non-Jews. The whole world can be saved through faith in
2: Christ, and um, he's going to have to give a defense for that. So. Well, um, man, poor Peter, you know, love Peter. Cause he's a, such a great reflection of us. We get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes he has his bright spots. This is a chapter where man, he gets it right. He does. He pushes into it. Uh, later in his life, uh, we're going to see, uh, the apostle Paul come and rebuke yeah. Peter and Barnabas for getting worried about criticism from other Jewish Christians. And, and they, they're eating with Gentiles, but but Paul says, "Man, when Christians from Jerusalem showed up, you you stopped, mm. uh, you stopped this fellowship with Gentiles." And so, even though he learns this incredible lesson here from God, uh, later we find out in his life he doesn't always get it right. Mm-hmm. And so, what thoughts do you have about how do we keep this this kind of vision, and why would people lose it, like Peter?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we can all, man. I feel like on a regular basis I get caught up in the things that aren't of God, and If it can happen to Peter, it can happen to us. And we have to be very, very uh, careful. You know, I was with Stephanie, we were in India. And I think it was on a Wednesday. We were there like four days. Mm -hmm. And the whole team's attitude just sucked. Everybody was lame. We had this leader that was trying to lead us and nobody was listening. People were ignoring him. They wouldn't answer his questions. Here we are. And I just dropped the hammer and I'm like, okay, you all owe this guy an apology. We have raised money to be here. We've, the church has supported you to be here. You have spent the last, you know, I don't know how many months training to be here, and your guys' attitude stinks and you need to get right. That happened to our team Mm -hmm. in India day four. Mm -hmm. Day four. (laughs) And so, what's amazing is, right, you know, my co leader over here, you know, Stephanie, who (laughs) I'm waiting for an amen from her as I'm (laughs) dropping the hammer. Afterwards, she's the one in tears. Mm -hmm. She comes up to me and she's like, it was totally me. I didn't think it was her. I thought it was the group which just sucked. I was—I I thought Stephanie was on my team. I think I was just part of the overall. Yeah. And so, but even Stephanie who's mm-hmm. like this with Jesus, awesome. I'm crossing my yes. fingers. Even she on day four
2: mm-hmm. hmm. was
0: missing life here. You know, was we were tired. Man, it happens. And so, Um, we can get caught up in ourselves really easy. And that happened to Peter and Barnabas, who like you preached, it was amazing. Even he screwed up. And Paul said, I'd call these guys on it. And this is why food is so important. You can't say that I love you and we're a part of the same family if I can't eat with you. You have to deal with dietary laws because that's how you connect with people. Can you imagine saying God loves you and he has a plan for your life, but I won't come over your unclean house? No one's going to get saved, you disgusting Gentile, right? Jesus actually said, when I send you out, eat whatever is put before you. Mm -hmm. Whatever is put before you, you know? Um, It's risky. It, believe me, you know, (laughs) when I went to India, man, it was crazy. You know, I mean, we sat down in this guy's home. He pours, um, like, I'm not a hard liquor guy. Like, I'll have a glass of wine. I don't think I've ever drank in like vodka or anything. We sit down in this India's guy's house and he pours me a drink. I don't know what, it's hard liquor. And you know what I did? I drank it. And you know what my prayer was? God, please don't let me get buzzed so I can share the gospel with this guy. But I had a drink and I said, that's enough. You know, I'm fine. And he was fine, but he said it in front of me and I wasn't gonna be pious Christian. You know, I'm I'm here in your home. I'm a guest in your house. We met in Starbucks, you've invited me here. And some people, some Baptists would lose their they think I'd lost my salvation. It's about not embarrassing him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he gave me the best of what he had. Right. He didn't have wine and he did have beer. He had God knows whatever it was, man. It was like fire <laughs> drinking straight. <laughs> Pray fire. that it becomes water. It's like the reverse oh, Baptist yeah. prayer. Yeah. yeah. So um, and, and I know even some people listening are gonna have a hard time with that. Yeah. But you know what? What's more important? The alcohol or this guy's soul. Mm. Now You can't use that all the time because if you had offered me heroin, right? No, because heroin would render me incompetent in my ability to share the gospel. So, you know, I mean, so that you can't, you can't say this in every situation. You know, he didn't pass me a joint, whatever. It was a drink. You know, I had a little bit, you know, it's like swallowing NyQuil. That's what it was like. So, and I know some people love that stuff, but I don't. So so I did it. Are you freaking, is that freaking you out?
2: No, okay, Uh -uh. all right. I've been put in similar situations and try to decide what the best thing to do was. And a lot of times it had to do with not hurting the relationship or dishonoring someone who's given me a gift. And um, I think there's a way to take the high road in any situation like that. If Jesus can hang out with lost people. Yeah, amen. There there should be a way to take the high road. And he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And if you know
0: what glutton is, it's somebody that overeats all the time. And most people know what a drunkard is. You're... You're an alcoholic. That's what they called Jesus Mm -hmm. because he ate with people who partied. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm not telling everyone to go do it, but, you know,
2: you've got to be willing to sit down with people who are going to be a little different than you. And just like like Peter here, he put himself in a risky situation, you know, that was taboo, that was culturally like that moment for you. But God had told him to do it. He was doing it for a reason that glorified God. And I think it's the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone for sending in your questions. If you guys have more questions from Acts 10 or anything that you've been reading up to this point, feel free to send those in at sandalschurch.com slash the debrief. Claude, thank you so much for hanging out with us the last couple yeah, weeks. It's yeah. been super fun. Uh, we're going to wrap up with an inspirational quote that Claude, you actually passed along this to me. This is one of my so BMX friends. Yeah, we're going down yeah, together.
2: Thank you, Instagram. We we'll <laughs> love this one.
1: <laughs> it says, Do not, don't treat people as bad as they are. Treat them as good as you are.
2: Whoa. Hmm. hmm. It's warm and fuzzy. It is warm
0: and fuzzy, but <laughs> I think that might be worse if I treated them as good as I am because I'm not that good.
1: So. Mm. Yeah, right. Claude's
0: Claude. name is, is inspirational and his personality is inspirational. I like it's it.
1: It's true. He inspires all, Claude.
0: We right
2: to the lame. Yep.
0: All right. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, being a part. Claude has been awesome. Thank you, Stephanie. Great day. Thank you, Wigster. Wyatt the Wigster behind the scenes. We appreciate him you. keeping us digitally connected. Don't eat a lizard.